Good morning, Freedom. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us here uh, in person and those that are joining online. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Freedom Bible Church, and we are grateful uh, that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, one of the ways that we'd love to connect with you, if you are a guest, either here in person or online, is simply by texting GUEST to 706-651-8373. Just an opportunity for us to get to know you and for you to get to know our church. And if you're online and in the Evans, Augusta, CSRA area, we would love for you to text us just so that we can uh, figure out ways to minister to you, especially in these times that we live in. And so... Uh, uh, we're continuing this morning our series in the in the about the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians, and today we are going to be talking about a topic that is far more damaging, far more harmful, has greater lasting effect on our lives than the coronavirus, than the pandemic then politics, then everything that we're facing in our world. What we're going to talk about today has far-lasting impact. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And just the thought of it, some of your palms have started to sweat, haven't they? You started to get a little bit anxious just talking about anxiety. And I love the fact that God's Word is so relevant so applicable to our daily lives that even in the midst of this series on the book of Philippi that we planned months and months and months ago, we get to a passage of scripture within this book that speaks directly to what many in our country are facing. You see, prior to the, prior to the pandemic, 40 million Americans suffered from some form of anxiety disorder. But, as this pandemic has continued, as it has gone on and on and on, what they have seen and studied is that now, as cases spike and as media coverage intensifies, anxiety is on the rise. In fact, recently they, they, the study showed that one-third of Americans now are saying that they have some form of anxiety within their lives during this season. I mean, the last, think about this, the last six months, we have gone through something that the human soul is not designed for. Our souls are not designed for self-isolation. Our souls are not designed for quarantine. Our souls are designed for community. We are created to be together. And the fact that we've been separated over the last six months has created a lot of anxiety for a lot of folks. Add to the fact that we've thrown in unemployment, uncertainty, divided politics, civil and racial unrest, Folks, that is just a recipe for anxiety and worry. And the truth of the matter is anxiety is a killer and a thief. Anxiety will rob you of your joy. This whole book of Philippians, over and over, a theme is joy, 
joy, joy. And anxiety and worry will rob you of your joy. It will kill your peace. It will destroy your confidence and it will steal your drive. That's what anxiety does. That's how it impacts our lives. There was a, there was a woman I read about recently and she, she couldn't sleep for years. Because she had this constant thought that someone was going to break into her home. This, this thought was plaguing her day after day, week after week, year after year. Well, one night her husband and she were up in the bed and they heard a noise downstairs. And she's freaking out. She goes, you've got to go down and find out what that noise is. So the husband gets up, he goes downstairs... And guess what was standing right in front of him as he turned the corner to walk into the kitchen? Face to face with a burglar. The man pauses and says, hey, listen, I need you to come upstairs. I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been waiting for you for 10 years. <laughs> Here's the point. A robber may steal from you once, but in, but." Anxiety and worry can steal for you for a lifetime. It absolutely can. Now today, we're just going to be in two verses. We're just going to look at two verses today. Two significant, powerful verses that deal specifically with our mental health. They deal specifically with, what, uh, with anxiety and what we're going through. They're familiar verses, and many of you have probably already memorized them. In fact, some of you drank coffee this morning and these verses were on your coffee mug. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 6, here's what it says. The, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that as I read that, some of you are going, well, oh yeah, that's nice. That's nice, Paul. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, right. You have no idea, Paul, what I'm going through. You have no idea what my life is like right now. Don't worry. I mean, that's cute, Paul. That's nice. And, 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 and. It's naive, it's unsophisticated, but it's nice. And here's the reality. I want you to know that this is, it is simple, but it's not simplistic. That's what I love about God. Most of his truth is simple truth. Like even a child can understand the truth of Scripture. But that doesn't make it simplistic. That doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make it that doesn't make it something that we can, we can just simply apply. And that's one of the things I love about God, that this truth is simple, but this truth is needed. Because the reality is many of us are stuck in the first part of Philippians 6, uh, Philippians 4, verse 6. Many of us are stuck there, so this verse is needed because we are living in a world full of stress, anxiety, and worry. But this truth we're going to discover that today is radical. If you and I can move from the first part of Philippians 4, 6 into the second half of Philippians 4, 6 and then into Philippians 4, 7, it will radically transform our lives. 
It will radically impact our lives. It will revolutionize who we are. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to break down these uh, two verses. And we're going to dig deeper into these two verses to understand and wrestle with what Paul is talking about when he says, do not worry, do not be anxious. And we're going to look and see how he says we're to combat anxiety and worry. And the first thing I want you to know is what Paul is saying. He's saying our problem, our problem is worry. Any worry warts out there? There's a few of us. Some of you, I can see you raising your hand online as you sit on your couch. You're worrying about what's going to happen this afternoon. You're worrying about next week. And Paul is saying that, that anxiety and worry is our problem. Now, it's interesting, the Greek word that Paul uses here is this, is this word, merimnao. Merimnao. And what that means, it's literally translated into three English words. Anxiety, worry, and concern. Anxiety, worry, and concern. It's actually the same word that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, don't worry about your life. It's the same word that Jesus used with Martha and Mary when Martha was all frantic and all distracted and running around the house while Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Jesus says to her, Martha, why are you so troubled? Why are you so concerned? It's the exact same word. And really, here's what I want you to do. This is the unique aspect of this word. This word is actually a combination of two other words. One of them means to tear or to divide. The other one is your mind. So get this. Put those two together. And what you get, that anxiety, being anxious, literally means to divide one's mind. That's what worry does, doesn't it? It divides our minds. It fills our minds with legitimate and destructive thoughts all at the same time. That's what anxiety, that's what worry does. Our minds are torn in two different directions. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said that, listen, we cannot be double-minded. It's the same word. Same idea. That our minds are torn between legitimate and destructive thoughts. Our minds are torn between thoughts that lift us up and thoughts that tear us down. Thoughts that hold us back and thoughts that move us forward. He's saying our minds are divided. And, and James actually goes on to say that when our minds are divided, we are unstable in all of our ways. How many of you felt unstable when you've worried and been anxious? I know I have. So this is what Paul is saying. But here's the deal. I understand why we're anxious. Like, I'm, I get it. I'm anxious. And when I hear Paul say this, like, really, Paul? Because we, I mean, he, the world we live in is surrounded by things that should make every single one of us anxious. It should rise up anxiety in all of us. So I get the fact that we're anxious, but what are we to do about it? Thankfully, Paul tells us. He says the solution, don't be anxious. Look what he says in verse 6. Do not be anxious about what? Some things? Little things. No. Do not be anxious 
about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, I want us to stop right there because I know that we shouldn't be, that I shouldn't be anxious. You know that you shouldn't be anxious. But if I were to come up to you and say, hey, stop being anxious. It doesn't work, does it? No, it absolutely doesn't work. And yet Paul here is saying, don't be anxious. It's hard not to be anxious. It's hard to tell a worrier to stop worrying. It just doesn't work that way. Now, we try. We absolutely try. But it's, it sounds unreasonable. It sounds naive. It sounds unrealistic to tell someone who is constantly worrying to stop worrying. Someone who's constantly anxious to stop being anxious. Now, some of you right now are mad at Paul for even writing that. But don't get mad at Paul. And certainly don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what he said. But I'm not just telling you what he said. In fact, Jesus said something very similar, didn't he? In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said something incredibly similar to what the Apostle Paul said. And I just want to read just a few of these verses. You can read it's verses 25 through 34. Go back and read the whole passage by yourself. But here's what, here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, in verse 25, I tell you, do not be what? Anxious. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it or put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Skip down to verse 27. He says, and which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Skip down to verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day in its own trouble. So why are Paul and Jesus so emphatic about the fact that you and I should not walk in worry? That you and I should not live in anxiety? Why are they so emphatic about that? Why are they so bothered? But part of it is what Jesus is saying is that worry is unhealthy. Worry is unhealthy. Listen, when you and I allow anxiety to drive our lives, it actually physically impacts other areas of our lives. But Jesus is also saying that, word, that, that worry and anxiety is unbecoming. It's unbecoming of a child of God. Why is that, Eric? Why do you say that? Because fear is legitimate for the vulnerable. Fear is legitimate for someone who's in danger. Pain is natural for those of us that are mortal. But worry and anxiety is a choice made in distrust. In essence, when you and I are worrying about tomorrow, what we're saying is that, God, I know you're big, but I don't necessarily trust you with what's coming up. Like, I know you can handle a lot of things, but I don't think you can handle that thing. So Jesus is saying, listen, worry is unhealthy, it's unbecoming. But then he goes on to even say, worry is unproductive. Like, how many of you have added an hour to your life because you've worried about something? 
Doesn't work that way, does it? In fact, we're probably taking hours from our, from our lifespan. Because how's it worked out? When you've worried about something, has it contributed to your productivity? Has it helped you move things along? No. It's like being in a rocking chair. There's a lot of movement, but you don't get anywhere. That's what worry and anxiety does. And so Paul says, our problem is worry. His solution is stop worrying. Don't be anxious. And then he goes on to say that prayer is our therapy. Prayer is our therapy. Now, actually, he started addressing this before verse 6. In fact, in verse 5, Paul says that the Lord is at hand. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. You see, when you and I know that God is with us, that no matter what you're going through, God is, God is there with you. No matter what you're facing, God is there walking beside you. Whatever you're in the middle of, God is in the middle of it. When you and I can grasp that and understand that and know that the Lord is with us, that we are united in Christ, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that we enjoy constant communion and fellowship with God. Paul says, when we grasp that the Lord is at hand, Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, because God is with you. But how, how do you and I engage the presence of God? Because theologically, we can all say, yeah, we understand God is everywhere, God is with us. But how do we practically engage the presence of God? Paul tells us, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. That's what he says in, verse, in, in the later half of verse 6. Listen to what he says again. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything, in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, before you say, well, that's great, Eric. I mean, what you're saying is fantastic, but you just don't get it. What about a medical condition? What if I have an anxiety disorder and I can't control it? Here, here's what I would say. Yes, 100% many people have chemical imbalances that is a disorder that causes them not to be able to wrestle with their worry and anxiety. And yes, you should absolutely 100% seek medical care and medication to help with that disorder. What I don't want anyone to hear me saying here in this room or online, that stop whatever you're doing to treat your medical condition. That's idiotic. That would be like a diabetic saying, I'm not going to take insulin. That would be like a cancer patient saying, I'm not going to take radiation and chemo for my disease. That's like someone that, that has heart, uh, a heart condition saying, you know what, no more ACE inhibitors for me, for my high blood pressure. No more antihistamines for my allergies. No more medication for what, that's crazy. But yet, here's the problem. Oftentimes in the Christian world, that's what we say. We say, well, you wouldn't have anxiety if you just trusted Jesus more. But you see how crazy that is to say that to someone who has a, true mental disorder and yet how many of us would go say that well you wouldn't have cancer if you trusted jesus more 
That's false theology. That's inaccurate. That is not true. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you don't get sick. So first, I want you to, I want everyone to hear, if you have a, a disorder, if you are on, on anxiety medications, if it is a chemical imbalance, do not stop your medication. But I also want you to hear that even if you have a medical condition, Paul's prescription for prayer should be a vital part of our ther therapy against anxiety. They go hand in hand. And so what I want to do is I want to break this verse down even further. Because he uses these three words. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. First word is prayer. The first thing we should do is often the last thing we actually do. Prayer is not a last resort. It is our first response. But the word Paul uses for prayer is... It's kind of a generic catch-all word, which really means praying, it means devotion, it means worship. And so, in essence, what Paul is saying is that when you begin to worry, start to worship. When you begin to feel anxious, start to pray. When you feel that, that things are, are, are rising up within you, begin to, to jump into devotion. Start focusing on the greatness of God. Start looking to the greatness of God. Get all your thoughts, your anxieties, your worries, and your concerns. And get those thoughts on God's goodness. And we're going to see in a moment that we actually cast those anxieties to the Lord. But we don't start there. We start with worship. We start by seeking Him. We start with, with who He is. It follows exactly what Jesus taught us when He taught us how to pray. What did He say? Did He start out saying, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread? No. He said, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed, worthy, honorable is Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then what did He say? Now. Now that we've worshipped you, now that we've set our hearts and our minds on you, now give us this day our daily bread. That's what Paul's saying. We start with worship. We start with, with lifting up the name of Jesus. And then he uses the word supplication. Supplication are simply help me prayers. That's really what supplication is. God help me. Help me in whatever circumstances I find myself in. Help me in whatever situation I find myself in. And again, some of that help is through medical professionals that can help us with anxiety disorders. That can help us with depression. That can help us with mental illness. That's part of the help. We can, God can provide help through medicine, through medication. He can also provide help through casting our burdens upon the Lord. And that's what Paul says. He says, listen, you don't carry your anxieties and your burdens. You cast them. But so often, you and I, we carry them, don't we? Like, I like to carry my burdens. I like to carry my anxieties. Why? Because it makes me feel like I'm in control. But what did Peter say in 1 Peter 5, 7? He says, listen, cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. 
You and I cast our anxieties on the Lord because He cares for us. See, supplication and worry and anxiety really are of the same essence. And here's what I mean. When you and I worry, what are we doing? We're thinking about our circumstances. When you and I pray, help me prayers, what are we doing? We're praying about our circumstances. But the difference is when we, when, we, when we practice supplication, we take all those anxieties, all those concerns, all those cares, and we focus them Godward. We say, God, this is yours. I am giving it to you. I am taking it to you. I am placing it before you, and I'm releasing it to you. But see, with anxiety, we hold on to those. We don't take them to God. We hold on to them. We don't put them before and we, we hold them tighter. We don't release them. We grab tighter to them. That's why, that's why supplication and worry really come from the same place. Really have the same essence. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, pray and let God worry. Pray and just let God worry. But then Paul goes on to use this word thanksgiving. You may be thinking, God, Eric, I am so stressed out. So anxious. What am I? I don't even know what to be thankful for. I don't even know where to begin with, thank, with being thankful. But here's what Paul's not saying. He's not saying be thankful for the loss, the suffering, the burden, the anxiety, the worry. He's saying be thankful by remembering that God is good. Be thankful by remembering that God is in control. Be thankful that remember, by remembering that God works out all things for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. Doesn't mean all things are good, because they're not. But God works out all things in our hearts and our souls for His good. It's being thankful for God's goodness, thankful for God's gifts, and ultimately thankful for the gospel. The fact that Jesus Christ would lay down His life for you and I, in the midst of our worry and anxiety and our sin, and he would die on the cross so that we could be redeemed, forgiven. That's what we're thankful for. And thankfulness should be a part of all of our prayers, regardless of whether or not God answers them the way we want him to. Like oftentimes, I want to thank God when he answers my prayers the way I want him to. Anybody else with me? Yeah. Like, I'm thankful for that, God. You did exactly what I asked you to do. But when he doesn't, I'm like, I don't know if I'm thankful for that. And yet Paul is saying we need to be thankful. But here's what I want you to notice one more thing. The next thing Paul says in, in, in verse 6 is let your request be made known to God. Let your request be made, be made known to God. Here's the thing about request. Requests are specific. Requests are not general. We don't go to God and say, God bless my life. We go to Him with specific requests. We don't go with Him with demands or ultimatums. We go to Him with specific ask and specific request. And so, so often, and my concern is that so many times, our prayer lives are so generic. And we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. So we pray, God, bless my life. And we're like, it's like I did. 
I sent Jesus. And yet we look at it from our standpoint, we're like, God's not blessing my life. It's because we, and we say, God, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Because we haven't asked him anything specific. We haven't asked him anything uh, that is, that is, that is an actual request. And here's the thing about request. If you're a parent in here, you know what requests look like. Sometimes you say yes. Sometimes you say no. Sometimes you say wait. Sometimes you say maybe. Same is true with God. When we go to him with our request, with our ask, sometimes God's going to say yes. Sometimes God's going to say no. Sometimes God's going to say wait. Other times he's going to say maybe. But requests are specific. We ask God exactly what we want him to do. No holding back, no beating around the bush. We ask him exactly what we want him to do. Now, some of you are going, well, why do we even have to do that? Why do we, ha or why do we have to inform God? You're not informing God. You don't need to do that. You don't need to inform God. That's not what you're doing when you're praying. What you're doing when you're praying is you are being conformed and transformed by God. In essence, what you are doing when you go to God with your supplications and your specific requests, you are saying, in essence, that God, I am voicing my weakness to you. And I am declaring my dependence upon you. That's what requests do. Now there's one final thing that Paul says. And it's this, that the peace of God is his promise to us. Listen to verse 7 one more time. And the peace of God. Now notice, that's not peace with God. Peace with God happened on the cross. When you and I submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we have been made, we've been given peace with God. We are no longer his enemies. This is practical daily peace that we're talking about. The peace of God in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. That's what he's talking about here. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the peace of God doesn't mean that God takes away all our problems. It means that he gives us his peace in the midst of our problems. But notice how Paul describes it. He says it is beyond understanding. It surpasses all understanding. You and I can't grasp how, and, and understand God's peace. Have you ever seen someone, this follower of Jesus, that's walking through tre tremendous um, burdens and, and terrible circumstances, and yet they have this inner peace that is unexplainable. And maybe that's been your own life. You walk through some really dark times, and yet the inner peace of God carried you through. That's what Paul's talking about. It is beyond our understanding. It transcends our intellect. We can't explain it, but what he does is he replaces our worries and our anxieties with his peace. Then Paul says, not only that, but it guards our hearts and our minds. It guards our hearts and our minds. Remember, anxiety, worry is what? A divided mind. And so Paul says that when, when we take those cares and concerns to God and he gives us the peace of God, it sets a, it sets a garrison around our hearts and our minds. As if the Lord himself is saying there, listen, when an anxious thought begins to try to enter our minds, it's like, no, 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 you're not getting in there today. 
You're not getting in there today. That's not happening. Why? Because the peace of God surpasses our understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. Now I want to conclude today's message with this. That right after these verses, beginning in verse 8, Paul begins to tell us how to guard our minds. And we're not going to talk about that today. You've got to come back next week to hear about that. We're going to dive into that next week as Paul dives in and shows us how we actually guard our minds. So you have to uh, mark your calendar, be here next week to learn how we do that. But here's what, here's what I want you to see today. For today's message, I want you to know that in this passage, it says that we've entered in with anxiety. It says we all, we all are anxious. We all have worries. We enter this passage in anxiety. We exit this passage with peace. And what Paul says that stands between anxiety and peace is prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and making our request known to God. Let's pray. Father, many of us walked into this room with a ton of anxiety, a ton of worries, a ton of stress. Many of us have been wrestling with that and trying to figure that out. And, and God, this world that we live in has led to even more anxiety, more stress, more worry. But Father, I pray that you would help us to cast these burdens upon you today. Help us to lay them down at the foot of the cross, knowing that between anxiety and peace, since prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and making our request, our specific request known to you. Help us to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going we're gonna to conclude our service today with a time of worship. But one of the things that, that we want to do today is actually put this into practice. Peter said we cast our anxieties upon the Lord. Paul says that we are not to be anxious, but in everything through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make our request known to God. And so when you walked in today, you should have found a, a sheet of paper that just says, I cast this care on the God who cares for me. In the seat back in front of you, there are pens. And here's what we're going to do in this next few moments of worship. I just want you to write whatever it is that you're anxious about. Whatever burden you're carrying that you haven't cast yet. I just want you to write it down there. You don't put your name on it. Don't do anything. Just write it down. And just write down what your request is. And during this next few moments of worship, I just want you to come down. You can kneel down here at the, at the, at the altar at the front of the stage. And why are we doing this? Why can't I just do it at my seat? I said there's something. And the reason is this. There's something symbolic about getting up and making that first move toward God. There's something powerful about taking that first step. And so I'm just asking you to write your care down, write your concern, write your worry, your anxiety, and just come and just lay it down. Set it down on the front of the stage. You can set it face down. Nobody's going to watch them. We're not going to read them. We're not going to broadcast them next week on the big screen. We're going to pick them up and throw them away because that's what... We do. We cast our cares upon Jesus and he handles it. 
And so just in an act of symbolism, just in an act of, of worship, I want you to write those down. If you feel led, you can certainly pray down here as long as you need. But we want to put this passage into practice. We want to put what Peter told us in 1 Peter 5 into practice. To cast our burdens, cast our anxieties on the God who cares for us. So let's do that now, church. Would you please stand?